Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to On the Spectrum Podcast. I am Nick, and this is Steve. Uh, as always, at the beginning of every episode, I'm going to go into my, uh, I don't know, warning or whatever the fuck it's going to be. Uh, Trigger warning. We uh, do not presume to be, nor do we think that we are experts in anything whatsoever, including autism. We are just two human beings who happen to be on the spectrum, and we wanted to talk to you and talk to you about things that affect autistic people and or just in general, our opinions altogether. Uh, we do use some foul language on this and we may use terms and phrasings uh, that you may or may not like. Uh, here's what I will say. Give it a shot. Listen. Uh, yeah, I think that was all I needed to say. Yeah. Sweet. All right. So today we're going to talk about masking and oh, I'm not talking about the tape. Yeah, we're going to talk about masking. Not not the tape. Uh, we're not painting. No, no, no painting involved. I, I, I don't think either one of us are skilled painters at all. Nick, why don't you give us the definition of masking? Because like a good autistic, I looked it up. All right. Uh, so it says here, all I did was type into uh, Google masking autism. Uh, masking is a word used to describe something seen in many children with ASD. Hopefully they also mean adults. When... They learn, practice, and perform certain behaviors and suppress others in order to be more like the people around them. That's masking. So to make normies feel more comfortable. Yeah, to make normies feel comfortable. So like things like um, trying to maintain eye contact, which is something that a lot of people on the uh -huh. spectrum, it doesn't come to us naturally, necessarily. We tend to not always look at somebody when they're talking to us or make eye contact, even if we're listening. So people think we're not listening because apparently normal people, that's what they do. Cause it's uncomfortable for anybody listening who doesn't understand it, making eye contact, looking at people's faces, kind of uncomfortable. Uh, I mean, I've kind of, I don't know. I, I was raised in a household where we didn't know I was autistic. So like I was, I was raised like a normal kid, right? I was raised like a normie. And so I was always told to make eye contact. And though it, yes, it is uncomfortable for me to do it. I, I have tendency to ignore that feeling and I just make eye contact anyway, even though at the same right, I've been told I'm way too intense when I look at people. Yeah. And I used, I used to get yelled at all the time by people who, uh, not, well, I mean, just in relationships, but also just in general, like, um, work or any social environment people would people would get angry or yell at me and be like why aren't you listening why aren't you being i'm like i am listening yeah, yeah. like no you're not uh okay how do you know that i'm not because like you're in my head you know that i'm not listening because i am but okay right. and i'd repeat back to them exactly what they said right you know like well you should look at people when they're talking to you I'm like okay no i don't i'm still listening uh, one thing I will say about about that, too, is like, yes, they're trying to hold us to their standard, right? Their social expectation standard. At the same time, is it beneficial for us to do that because they will feel more listened to and they will feel more valid or accepted by us if we look in their general direction? Yes. So one thing I did learn, which I'll put out there and probably a lot of you have heard this before, uh, look at the person's forehead uh, or look at their nose. Uh, I was saying <clears> the nose one because it's still too close to the eyes. But like, look at their forehead. Uh, if you're a guy, try to avoid looking down when talking to a female. They'll automatically assume you're looking at their chest. Even though you're not, you're just trying to avoid eye contact. But still, uh, here's, a, here's a couple examples uh, of, of autism masking. Uh, and I think we can relate with this a great deal. 
mimicking the social behavior of others, including gestures or facial expressions. Ah, monkey see, monkey do. Yes, yes. Um, I very much can can relate <clears throat> to that one. Um, first time I ever heard about mimicking uh, in this regard about autism, I immediately was like, oh my God, I do that all the time. Oh my God, I'm always trying to act like these people. Uh, and I would always try to hide kind of some of some of the, the social or verbal stuff that I would do that I guess is closer to being autistic. And I would constantly try to act like them. I would I, try to enjoy the same shows. I think a lot of it, at least for me, was not necessarily to always fit in, but some of it was just to, so people would leave you alone. Right. Uh, well, that's what I mean. To yeah. not draw attention to yourself yeah. or to like not be the weirdo, the creep. Yeah. Uh, Why well, was so, uh, to quote Tom York? A, a great deal of an issue with being accepted or at least feeling like I was accepted. Uh, I mean, as I became an adult and, and now I'm <clears> in my <throat> early 40s, I found out that people accepted me, but I just didn't know that they accepted me or, or I couldn't accept the fact that they accepted me. But I always kind of took it as nobody like wanted me in their circle, if you will. And for a very long time, I had I thought I, nobody liked me whatsoever because I was odd, or at least I thought I was odd. Um, one thing I will say about mimicking uh, is by no means do I advocate for uh, people on the spectrum, especially where we sit on the spectrum, whether you want to call it Asperger's syndrome or, or high function autism or just a different part of the spectrum. However you want to word that. One thing I do advocate is knowing their rules, not necessarily trying to hide your autism per se, but like knowing what their social rules are, which can be hard for us because we don't necessarily learn them the same way by watching people. but learn what the rules are because like all of us have to get jobs. We all want to be in relationships. I mean, I've never heard somebody on the spectrum say, man, fuck everybody. Uh, I don't want to be in a relationship. I mean, some people probably get to that point because they've had so many issues with connecting with people, but knowing their rules is a beneficial thing because it also lets the other person who's a normie or, or not on the spectrum, it lets them feel validated and accepted. So we don't want them to feel the exact same way that we have felt because of other people. It also helps if you're trying to be in a stable adult with a job. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yep. I say on the flip course. side of it, I think that people who are close to someone who's on the spectrum or friends with somebody or in a relationship, they should also understand the mental toll that it can take masking all day. Oh, um, yeah. If you have to constantly be aware of and changing your behavior to. Yeah make yourself suitable for other people it that it does kind of wear, wear you out or after a while it can be very exhausting. So I know when I used to work in sales, mm. um, I had to deal with the public all day. And when I got home at the time I was, you know, I was in a relationship and I used to go home and just shut off mm -hmm. and play a video game or just watch TV and zone out for a few hours. Yeah. And I didn't want to do anything or talk to anybody. And then, of course, my girlfriend would come home and then want to talk my ear off about her day. And I'm like, no, I can't. I can't do this right now. Yeah. yeah. At the time, I didn't engage. know that I was on the spectrum. Right. But in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense. She used to get mad at me because I didn't want to listen to her. She thought I didn't care about her mm -hmm. or her day. But I'm like, no, I just need a break. I've been listening to people and talking to people all day. And I didn't understand at the time why it was so exhausting for me to have to maintain eye contact with the customers mm -hmm. and look at them and make sure they knew I was listening. Although if you work in certain types of field uh, sales environments, like if you work in any sales environment where you get to be on a computer, that helps because you can look at the computer while you're <laughs> filling shit out. So 
if you're working, I used to work for a cell phone company and it was nice because I could just be in the computer looking at their account and talking to them and didn't have to look at them because mm -hmm. I had an excuse not to look at them. I was looking at right. the well, computer. It, it's, uh, I think I read the term the other day, or at least I'm going to say the term. Hopefully it's actually a real thing, but it's basically autism burnout. You know, it's, a, it's an emotional burnout for us. We deal with other people and we're masking so hard and we're trying so much to be like them so we can get done whatever we got to get done. By the end of our day, we're just burnt out. We just don't want to do that anymore. We don't want to play by their rules anymore. So um, wanna which is the thing for us. Go um, on Reddit and go into a rabbit hole for three oh, hours Jesus. and read about something. Don't or Reddit, something I don't like. Or, um, um, you know, play a video game and zone out for a few hours or just something to kind of, I don't know. Shut I my brain off of for a stuff. while. Play video games. Yeah. Uh, maybe just get sucked into a TV show. Yeah. Which I'm I do huge fan. less of than you. Of I, I mean, I watch TV and I watch movies, but I was I was always more of a gamer. I mm. liked being doing something interactive rather than just watching. Right. But that's just me. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, um, as I'm reading this, when, when it comes to mimicking and like, you know, uh, uh, kind of subverting the way we actually feel by we're acting another way and kind of pushing away the way we want to do things and trying to act like them. Um, it kind of makes me think about it's kind of that way with every uh, uh, mental health difference, if you will, or mental health disorder. Right. Uh, I'm also bipolar and I think I've mentioned it in other episodes and like before I knew I was uh, on the spectrum, I knew I was bipolar and I even felt that way with bipolar that I had to play by somebody else's rules that I had to hide the fact that I was manic or that I was depressed. And it was so exhausting on a regular basis trying to make people think I'm okay, that I'm in the middle, I'm like them, I'm not manic and I'm not depressed. Granted, I was never very good at hiding it. Uh, everybody decided to let me know. I was <clears> never <throat> good at hiding it. But nowadays I don't even try to hide mania or depression. I mean, uh, I am on medication for it. So it is kind of, you know, managed, I mean, that, if you that, will. That probably ties into some of the substance abuse stuff, which... I think we want to talk about on another episode sometime is the, the correlation between autism and substance abuse. Because yeah. we, we've mentioned it in a few episodes, but we haven't really talked about it too much. Right. But I think the the masking definitely plays a toll. You know, yeah. um, I remember one of the reasons I started drinking heavily quite a bit when I used to drink a lot more than I do now um, is be, because I would get mentally and emotionally exhausted that right. I needed something some type of release and the way i dealt with that was through alcohol was yeah. uh or especially in the social environments when you're stressed out if you're in a place with a lot of people mm -hmm. um it's easy to have a few drinks and then all of a sudden you seem more normal to everybody because yeah. you're more yeah. laid back and relaxed and although right. i will say that stuff tends to just fall out of my mouth more easily when I'm drunk and I'd say things to upset people like, like it does for anybody. Right. But at least I had an excuse for saying right. the shitty things I was saying rather than, right. Well, he's drunk, you know, instead mm -hmm. of he's just an asshole. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually think I used being an asshole as kind of a guys too, uh, kind of a way to mask over stuff. I mean, I never very heavily got into drinking or, or anything like that. I mean, I've been a, a cigarette smoker for most of my life and I've always, like one of the reasons why I, I think I perpetually continue that is yes, it's an addiction. Got it for anybody who wanted to call that out. But I think one of the reasons too is because it gives me uh, quote unquote valid reason to step away from social situations. It gives me a time to step away from social stuff and, and 
it's okay because like when I've tried to quit and I was like, no, I just need five minutes away. People are like, oh my God, are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I just need five minutes. Leave me alone. Go away. I just By need the to way, step outside. if any of you have five minutes and you're listening, why don't you, and if you're on Spotify in the comment section there, why don't you tell us some of the ways that you mask? Because I'd yes. like to, I'd like to hear about some of the, the things that other people do. Yes. What are the ways in which you have to, you know, do things to kind of deal with to blend people. in with the normies. Yeah, to blend in or, or how have you learned how to manage? How do you chameleon, chameleon, chameleonize? Chame- yeah. Is that a word? Camouflage no. yourself. Camouflage. Yeah. I, I wanted to say chameleon for some reason. You but. really did. You really did. How do you blend in? Yeah. How do how do you get through your day? Because uh, so, well, we have ideas, sure, but you you're a different human being. What What us. are some of the other common ways that people mask their autistic behavior? I mean, I think one of the ways is a lot of people on the spectrum have tendency to get into like science jobs and like engineering and computers and stuff. So they don't have to interact with people. Right. It's less interactive with people. I mean, me and you are, are slightly different in that way because me and you actually want to be social. Like we, we actually get jazzed up. By we just social. suck at it sometimes. Yeah. We just kind of suck by their by their rules. But for our rules, we're good with it. Uh, I mean, we are performers. Uh, so we want to be social. We we want to be in front of people. We want to have attention. Uh, and in that regard, like, but that's just another part of who we are as human beings, as well as being those other pieces. Um, yeah, yeah. Let me go to my let me go to my thing here of examples of masking. I think one of the ways that I mask, um, it's also it, it's an adaptation that is helping me grow in other ways. So it's it's masking, mm. but it's also it's also helpful and beneficial is to, so I tend to be somebody who's very detail oriented and I get lost in the details quite a bit. And when you're working in any sort of business, um, you need to also be able to take the quote, you know, 30,000 foot view, the Eagle's eye view Mm. and look at the big picture. Right. And I think for a lot of people on the spectrum, it's hard to look at the big picture sometimes because you get fixated on small details. So, I have to force myself many times to stop and think about the big picture, which I think is actually, even though it's a way of masking my autistic behavior, but it's adapting Mm. my behavior in a beneficial way because it also helps me career wise and it helps projects I'm working on. You know, if we're, if we're working on this podcast, for instance, you have to think about the, the meta view, not Mm. just the, the, the minutia, you know? Right. Uh, I just read something that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, hiding or underplaying their own in, intense interests. Yeah, That's and that kind of goes into what I was just yeah. saying a yeah, little exactly. bit. Like hyperfixating, but um, the intense interest thing too, I think um, I would downplay in a lot of relationships personally, friendships and also like dating. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily be open and honest about some of the things I was hyperfixated right. on right away. Once I got to know somebody better, I might tell them about some of my obsessions, but right. I would I didn't want people to know up front because for some people they just, you know, it's weird to them or off-putting. I have tendency to to downplay by uh years ago I used to downplay just by saying like, well, yeah, what do I know? Even though I knew I knew what I was talking about. Like when I'm talking about behavior or something like that or like internal motivations or something of somebody language. I would I would what? nothing Did you just said mind reading i said language but oh, language. you made me think of something oh because of what you're saying it yeah. reminded me of something that people used to um 
point out all the time. Yeah. Especially when I was a kid uh-huh. and I didn't understand. Uh, so I started reading very young and I, th- I mentioned this during another episode, but I started reading when I was very young. Mm-hmm. So my dad used to buy me a lot of books even before I was in elementary school. Yes. And actually started reading before I went into school. So I was reading at, you know, four years old, I was already reading. Um, so language has always been something that I was, I, I had a, a very large vocabulary as a small child. Right. And one of the things that's actually strange is I feel like my vocabulary now is worse than it was when I was younger, when I was in school. Even though that's not possible. No, well, let me explain. Okay. Because I started altering my behavior because I was getting made fun of all the time. Right. So I used to speak. And when I was speaking to people, I would use proper English and I would use words that people, quote unquote, said were big words. Uh And people used to make fun of me for the way that I spoke. Right. And so I had to start incorporating slang. Yes. And colloquialisms. And I started speaking more in a casual way. Right. And it actually I had to learn how to speak casually instead of yeah. speaking properly all the time. Right. And now I feel it's because it's become such a habit mm-hmm. of speaking in a casual way to turn on the professional speaking right. is harder because I'm so used to using, um, think, you know, saying things like, yeah, dude, bro, like terms like yeah. that. Yeah. Colloquial those, phrases. those are things that I wouldn't normally say, or right. I wouldn't use certain phrases, but yeah. now I do. And it becomes so, so, it's become a habit to use right. those things that like, if I wanted to sound professional, yeah. I have to like, think about it now versus when I was a kid, I used to do it naturally mm-hmm. and people made fun of me. They're like, why are you trying to sound smart? I'm like, yeah, I used to do uh, that a lot too. I'm trying to sound smart. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't, um, did you ever have a problem with conjunctions? No. So, and this is going to sound weird. Maybe sound weird. Maybe conjunctivitis. Somebody, maybe, maybe somebody can uh, relate to this, but I actually like have always, kind of struggled with let's say using things like can't don't won't oh, your no, uh not when i miswrite your but i've always had a problem with why are you with, trying to sound so smart bro right like you think you're better I would, than me i would rather say you know do not opposed to don't it actually feels more natural and feels better for me to say things like do not i think sometimes using like choosing when to and when not to use conjunctions um, you can do it for an artistic emphasis. Yeah, all of that. I started using them because, pe- like, people were like, "Why? Why?" I think conjunctions why do you say feel more way? casual. But even I guess. when I would write, though, because yeah. I write the way I talk, I, I used to leave out conjunctions. A do lot. not. If you say "do not" instead of "don't," when you say "do not," it sounds like you're trying to emphasize. I know. Like, but that's do not. Just the way I talked for a while. Throw a trash like, on the ground. It was uncomfortable to learn like all those colloquial phrases and stuff. Yeah. Um, like, uh, uh, one people thing thought I, I was I, trying to like that. I, that I was full of myself and then I was, um, thought I was better than that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. I used to, hear I mean, I still you. get accused of that, but yeah, it's well, not, that's when I started it's not intentional unless I don't like you. In which right. case I might be trying to make myself, I may be trying to make you feel stupid if right. I don't like you. But. I mean, nowadays, uh, when, <laughs> when I'm, when I'm saying something that I know, I know what I'm talking about when it comes to like behavior or whatnot. Or, or like talking about a movie, or I'm talking the interpretation that I have of something. I have a tendency to to kind of slush off, if you will, my knowledge base about it when I'm talking to other people by saying things like, "Well, just saying," "Well, you know," or not getting too lost in jargon. Yep. Not so that's another thing is I have a tendency to use jargony terms mm-hmm. um, 
Can which, you give an example? Who? Um, <laughs> so at one of the jobs that I applied for, uh-huh. which is funny because you would think that most people who run a business would know some of these terms mm. because it's a common to me anyway. I thought it was a common term, but I used um, it's not really a it's a jargony term for um, what what is your uh, KPI, which is sure. KPI is a acronym, which uh-huh. means key performance indicator. Oh, but it's a it's not I've I've had a lot of jobs over the years and KPI is something I've seen in tons of like material and stuff. That it, so for, when I've I worked for never seen that if you ever worked for like big corporations, uh-huh, KPI is a common term they use in like corporate environments. Which ones? I've never once I can heard tell that. you some of them, but yeah. I don't know if I want to tell people every place I've worked at. Yeah, yeah, but like I've never heard that term before and I've worked in a lot of national corporations so the, the funny thing is the company i'm telling you about yeah. that i applied for and they yeah. said they didn't know what that meant and i had to explain it to them yeah but when i went to their website they used that in their internal training material yes because they're human man they don't know so it was like oh what is that but then when i went because but there are people running the company yeah and, and when i go onto the website they actually list here are our kpis for the year so you're nick you're supposed to be following these kpis uh-huh to manage your business right. according to corporate. Yeah. But then when I say KPI, you don't even know what it is. Then how, you're obviously not reading okay. what they're so, putting out there. So when you were in that interview and they yeah. didn't know what it was, you should have immediately asked for the autistic middle management guy yeah. who knows all of that. That's, so that's immediately what you should All it means done. is key performance indicator. Oh. The KPIs are what, so like KPIs are important if yeah. you're, when you're a manager, because right. you need to know how, how are you measuring whether your employees are doing well or not. Right. Because- you're talking about the numbers of performance. Got it. But it's it's very frustrating when you work for companies that don't have any sort of standards because then you're like, well, if you say I'm doing a bad job, what does that mean? How do you know I'm doing a bad job? I mean, every company has standards like that, dude. Right. But if they're not written down, you can't hold people accountable for them, which is the problem I had with no, the last place. I, the last place I worked at was they would criticize people, but they weren't able to articulate why someone was doing a bad job uh-huh. or they and they had nothing to measure it. Right. Like you need we, to be able to measure how somebody's doing. But for me and you, that makes sense to have an evaluatable. Right. I mean, you, but you, you can't you can't tell somebody you're doing a bad job and then not be able to explain why. Yeah, but normies don't work that way. Most you of say, the time. oh, you're doing a bad job. And they're like, oh, OK, yeah, but they don't work that way most of the time. Most of the time they, they go based on like good, bad. They don't. They don't I do need somebody to explain why I'm doing bad if I'm doing a bad job, especially if I don't know I'm doing a bad job, because right. sometimes if I'm doing a bad job, I already know that I suck. But you if know. I don't know that I suck mm-hmm. and you say I suck, well, you better be able to back it up Wait, <laughs> because I don't know right. what the hell you're talking about. Right. And it's not going to help me get better unless you can explain to me yeah. how I'm doing bad. Gotcha. So let's let's drift out of jobs right. and, and let's talk about masking. Jargon? No, let's not talk about jargon. <laughs> um, I was just saying jargon will. is one of those ways that I had to like mask some of my jargony talk. Right. Um, let, let, let's shift this masking conversation into talking about relationships and masking. Um, pretending that you're okay masking. with certain types of physical touch that you're not, or at least putting up with it. Yeah. Oh, putting up with it. Uh, one more of the examples on here of masking, internalizing sensory discomfort. Right. Not pointing out, Hey, what is that? Or what's yep. that sound? Or what's this? Or, um, I'm very sensitive to smells. Smell. Yeah. Okay. Smell. Um, sight doesn't really bother me too much. Sound can. Right. It depends. But la- 
interesting the intensity of light like yeah. natural sunlight does bother me uh but like when we go to the casino and i'm sitting in front of a uh, a slot machine yeah i love all the lights and colors no i, love all um, the sound and stuff I don't know why room. smells but if smells are too intense yeah um i've actually puked um if smells are too intense smell was too intense or get sick yeah mm. um certain smells will make me vomit okay and it doesn't even matter if it's a good smell it could be a right. pleasant smell but if it's too intense yeah. i'll actually vomit wow yeah yeah, yeah uh since when it comes to sensory stuff <clears throat> really touches is my big deal like i really have an issue with like when people stand too close to me or within proximity of me yeah i was the opposite I, get... I was the guy who would stand too close to everyone else yeah i know i know like not know. um that's another thing that i had to mask yeah when you Although, drink you hug but the so here's the weird thing is yeah. certain times like masking behaviors yeah gets to a point where you don't have to mask anymore necessarily because you you repeated the same behavior so often that you don't you don't even really think about it it depends right. on what it is like some of the sensory stuff you might not be able to overcome right but like the distancing thing for mm -hmm. me like my natural instinct was to just get really close to people when i talk to them right and i had to have many people point out over the years hey man you're in my fucking bubble back mm -hmm. off yeah probably and then people like me and then yeah. i i started you know distancing myself from people and, and giving people personal space to the point where i don't even think about it anymore I just typically give people space. Right. But before, like, it, that's something, but it doesn't, like, it's not masking in a way that um, wears me out because uh -huh. I don't think about it anymore. I don't have to put that much effort. I just yeah. do it because I changed my behavior to a point where I didn't, I didn't have to, like, right. consciously be aware of it. I mean, but in a way, it's still masking, though. I mean, we got more comfortable with doing it, but yeah. it's still a I level just, of masking. But it's, I don't put a lot of effort into it because yeah. it's, I programmed myself by doing it so right. often that I don't even think about it anymore. Right. Uh, I mean, if I, if I realize I'm in someone's personal space, then I'll be like, all right, I need to back up. But like, usually I don't get to that point because I just trained myself from not doing it. Yeah. I just don't. Yeah. Uh, how about, uh, how about suppressing stimming, uh, self stimulating behaviors? Uh, these are repetitive behaviors such as whistling, jumping, finger clicking, etc., which are used by autistic people to help self regulate and for fun. Yeah. All right. uh, how about that? Do, are there any that you do? Um, Stimming behaviors? Well, I think a lot of the behaviors I do could also be interpreted as like as anxious, um, like manifestation of anxiety. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, uh, I have a tendency to chew on my fingers and bite my nails. Yeah. Which is also something that people with anxiety do. Right. But that's something that I've always done. Um I do this thing. Nobody yep. can see me do it, and I get that. Um, I, I, I was touching my hair. Yep, I do that too. Um, I touch my thumb to my index finger, middle finger, forefinger, and pinky in a pattern uh, sequentially. Um, I've, I've been doing it for a really, really super long time, and then over time I did find out that it's actually one of the grounding techniques people can use when they are like have super high emotionality whether it be anxiety or whatever, they can do that. Um, but I've always just done it when I have moments where I'm feeling odd, let's call it, and I'll just touch uh, my thumb to each tip so of my finger. I don't even think I'm aware of all the things that I do. Usually, if I'm doing things like that, other people are pointing it out to me because they think it's weird. Uh, yeah. Um, like, I, uh, when I'm home alone, I have a tendency to, like, stick my hand down my pants a lot. <laughs> like, yeah, I put like my hand in my underwear. Yourself? No, not like 
sexually, but just no, like I didn't mean it like that. Yeah, like, but like putting my hand in my my underwear, uh-huh. like touching my, my my nuts. Oh, okay. Like grabbing grabbing my ball sack. Yeah, all right. But I, it's weird because I, mean, I don't is know it comforting to you. Yeah, but I don't know why I do it. Why do I keep cupping my own balls? <laughs> well, because okay. For one, any woman who just heard you hear that, heard you say that, automatically went, "Well, you're a guy." Duh, you're it's not a sexual yourself. thing, though. I but just no, have a it's like it's comforting, but to it's you. repetitive. I keep doing it, right? And I, like my significant other will be like, "Is there something wrong with your balls? Are they itchy?" And I'm like, "No." This is it right here? Autistic burnout. It's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, dude. I, I didn't. As opposed to, to regular burnout, like most of our listeners who are probably doing drugs. Uh, I'm just well, yeah. I mean. Yeah, that behavior of yours is probably a lot better than a lot of other behaviors people have adapted to kind of over. I mean, overcome. my main thing was just um, if I got overwhelmed, and I already mentioned it, mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, popping on a video game, which is how I used to deal with a lot of things. You know, if I felt overwhelmed, I would, or if I needed to, to kind of ground myself whatever you want to call it i would just disappear into a video game and not think about anything to yeah. shut my brain yeah, off me too yeah get away from even my own thoughts uh here's a question for you because we're talking about masking uh and there's some downsides to masking we talked about autistic burnout we we people sometimes have meltdowns when, when they've kind of been pushed to their limit all right so uh when it comes to oh now i get what you were just trying to tell me uh, so there are downsides to masking too, because people end up, as Steve pointed out, substance use, uh, people have a tendency to like lose their emotional cool and they kind of blow up, uh, you know, having meltdowns and things, mental health issues can be contributed to too much masking and whatnot, and even suicide can be. So there are some downsides to masking too, but with that being said, is masking inherently bad? Is it a good thing to know how to do? And is there a way for us as autistic people to kind of learn how to strike that balance between when to mask, how to mask, what should we mask, what should we not? Or should people just not mask at all? Like it depends on the environment and it depends on a lot of different factors. Okay. I don't think there's there's never going to be an easy answer to that because the reality is like, for instance, in the workplace, even if people know you're autistic, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. People are still going to think it's weird if you do certain things. People aren't going to be understanding. So masking is definitely a beneficial thing in the workplace most of the time. Unless you're working by yourself. Like Nick says, if you're a scientist or an engineer working in a lab and you don't have to deal with people. But if you're working with other people, you're going to have to mask at least somewhat in order to get by. Right. That's one of the reasons why I think the unemployment rate is so high for people on the spectrum is just because people don't understand us. They think we're weird. We have a tendency of getting fired for being misunderstood or communication yeah. issues, especially if you work in something like customer service, right? Uh, HR, God forbid, I hope no autistic people work in HR, but um, <laughs> HR, if you're working in uh, customer service or sales or anything customer facing, right? the way that you speak to people is going to be very important. And a lot of times we, I mean, we'll say things that we don't have any negative intention or you know, we intend things to, to, to come across a certain way mm-hmm. and we won't be able to understand why other people are offended by the things we're saying. And obviously from a business standpoint, like how do you, you know, if, if, if the person's autistic and you have them doing customer service and they're sending emails to customers and they're saying things in the email that are inappropriate or not even inappropriate, but just the way they're saying things just right. doesn't seem professional or 
or maybe they're giving too much information that they shouldn't be sharing with customers about right. how business works. Like how do you, yeah. as a, as a, as a company, it can be hard. Like how do you navigate that? You know, because on one hand, that person may be actually hurting the business, but yeah, on the other hand, be. you have to, you know, you don't want to be discriminatory or, right. or be too harsh with somebody, but when there's something that's beyond their control or that's limited in their control. So I kind of, I, I want to touch on that a little bit because you're, you're, you're saying all the reasons why, you know, uh, other people should be more sensitive to, to autistic people and why we should be able to not have to mask as much because you were talking about some of the downsides to it because it could affect employment and stuff like that. I will say from reading some of the things that I have on Instagram and on Reddit and stuff like that, there is also a bunch of people who are on the spectrum. I'm not going to say a hell of a lot. I'm just going to say a bunch of posts that I read of people who are basically using their autism as a way of saying, oh, I just can't get a job. Like, I, there is a balance that needs to be struck between listening to our feelings, not invalidating them, but listening to our feelings and at times ignoring the way we feel. We're, we're going to feel anxiety at certain times. We should feel anxiety at certain times. We're going to feel depressed at certain times. But to always give in to that feeling and let it stop you from being able to move forward, like... I don't, I don't think we should do that. So I think masking can be actually used to help us actually be able to move forward with our goals. Right. Which is kind of what I was saying earlier. Oh, that is what you were saying. Well, sort of like about how certain masking behaviors have actually helped me. Yeah. Like, um, for instance, forcing myself to look at the big picture. Right. Because other people aren't going to understand why you get so fixated in the details, but also getting fixated in the details can also be a detriment. Yes. Uh, You're not going to help yourself. Right. So yes, it's an autistic behavior to be detail oriented and to get lost and fixated on certain details, but masking and like forcing yourself to look at the big picture is also a beneficial behavior. Right. Which is so sometimes masking can help you grow as a person. Yes. Even though you're, I mean, you're altering your behavior for your own personal benefit as well as to benefit. Right. The people around you. Right. Um, there's certain things that are always going to be exhausting though. Like some of the sensory things. Right. If you're somebody who's extremely sensitive to sound, right. then there's not really like there's not too much you can try to like not make it uh, uh, obvious to people, but there's not really much you can do about that. But there are some things in your control that will actually benefit you by changing or, or learning to to adapt your behavior. The, there was there was one person in particular who posted on Reddit um, and they said uh, nobody else can understand. No, it wasn't on Reddit. It was on TikTok. Um, the, the, there was a Ted talk lady who did a Ted talk and most of what the lady said on the Ted, Ted talk, real smart lady. Uh, but one of the things that she said was that we shouldn't have to, and that no two people's struggles are the same, which is a true statement. No two people struggle in life is the exact same. And at the same time, um, we can honestly say that some people are far more functional than others. And there's one woman I, I, I said something on it to the effect of that, right? That uh, no, uh, uh, no two people can understand each other's struggle, but we can actually say that some people are far more functional or far more able to take care of themselves than others. And this woman was like, you don't know how hard it is to be me. And she's right. I have no idea what it is to be her. Uh, she identified herself as being female and a certain age and said that she struggled with this all of her life. And I don't doubt that it has been hard for her I also understand that she's saying, like in her comment to me, she said that she can't work and I don't necessarily doubt that she can work or not, 
but she's also saying that she doesn't believe or agree with the functional language around autism because nobody could tell her that she has mild autism. Well, you also, I don't like people saying mild or heavy autism, something like that. You don't want to necessarily lean it on as a crutch and use it as right. an excuse not to try to right. and, and um, improve, self-improvement, right? Yeah. You don't want to right. use it as an excuse not to try anything. Right. You say, well, it is the way it is and nothing's ever going to change. Right. You get, I mean, you work with people who have substance abuse problems. What if they said the same thing? Well, I'm an, I'm an alcoholic or uh, you know, I'm addicted to a certain drug and that's just the way it is. So, I can't do anything about it. And with that kind of what would be referred to as sustained talk or <clears throat> challenge, uh, sorry, sustained talk or, or, or uh, hesitation or resistance. I mean, I'm not saying that an addiction is the same as being autistic because well, you, you can do something more like you can't cure autism. And I'm not saying you can cure addiction because people who have addiction problems tend to tend to fall into other addictions and stuff like that. You but what I'm so saying is there is more you can do easily about addiction you're not mm -hmm. born necessarily as an addict you become an addict um i'm not talking uh -huh. about like no no you don't need to defend keep going i'm saying like when you get it i'm talking about more specifically yes, like if you're addicted to a specific yes. substance i understand uh it's not the same as somebody who's born autistic right um i i agree it, it's just the way this person the person on the tiktok presented it she was trying i would to just say, use any as an example yeah. Uh, the, the way the person in the TikTok uh, or, or the TED Talk uh, that was on TikTok uh, was presenting it was basically saying that nobody can use that function language because nobody else gets to decide how hard somebody's life is. And that's true on the surface, but very straightforward. And I want to make sure that I'm, I'm kind of clear with this and hopefully I'm going to say this as clear as I can. I look at things like this. There are people on the spectrum who are very low functioning on the spectrum. They are very low functioning human beings. And I don't mean they're lesser human beings. And I don't, uh, and I'm not saying they don't deserve respect and dignity and, and the same rights as everybody else. What I'm saying is that somebody who needs an at home supervisor or at home care worker, or constantly needs somebody to take care of them, or if they need to live in a specific place because they need to be taken care of and watched over by somebody is far less functional than somebody who doesn't need those things. So if you're somebody who's on the spectrum and you deal with anxiety and depression and of a varying degree of those things, but you're still capable of showering, still capable of making your own food, still capable of not, I don't know, getting lost in your own head to the point where you wander out into traffic. If you're capable of doing all those things, I'm not saying you are doing those things, but if you're capable of doing all of those things on your own, then you're far more functional than somebody who needs a care worker. Now I say that, and I don't want people to think like I'm picking on somebody or whatnot. We all need help. We all need assistance in some way, right? Like I wear glasses. I have glasses on my face. That is my assistant aid to help me be more functional in life. Without my glasses, I would be very unfunctional or, or very lacking in functionality comparatively to other people because I couldn't be able to drive. I wouldn't be able to get a job. I wouldn't be able to do a lot of things. But because I wear glasses, I can. I have an assistance aid to help with that. But some people sit back and say, well, how can you say how functional I am in life? Well, if your ass can roll out of bed, and I'm not saying you're choosing to shower every day, but if you're able if you physically are able to get your ass in a shower every day, then you're far more functional than somebody who has to be reminded at least once a week to go do it. 
If you're somebody who doesn't need somebody to help them shower, help them make food, remind you to turn off the stove, you are far more functional in life than somebody who needs those reminders. And that doesn't make either one of us better or worse at being a human. It doesn't make us any more uh, deserving of more respect or less respect. We're all human. We all deserve that. But we also need to be able to differentiate between people who need more help and people who need less help. Like me and Steve do not need a caretaker. We do not need a caretaker. I mean, that's arguable. It is kind of arguable. Uh, but we don't need that thing, that person, or or we don't need to... Uh, we don't need to live with our parents uh, until we're, you know, 50 or 60 yeah. years old. Um, and if you're somebody who lives in your parents' basement, I'm not making fun of you at all. I don't know the situation that puts you there. I don't and know. It's much more common nowadays with the way the economy that, is. That's true, too. That's apartments true too. being outrageous. It's it's yeah. common for people to well, still be with their parents in their late 20s because right. it's yeah, so yeah, the cost of living that's is a so high. Situation. Um, like, I think I've said this before on the podcast. I have a daughter who's on the spectrum. And, and she is, and I'm not insulting my daughter in any way, shape or form. I don't want nobody to misunderstand that, but she's lower on the function than I am. And what I say, when I'm saying that it's because I know that she's going to be living with me and her mother for the rest of our lives. I know that. And I love the fact that she is, cause she's absolutely wonderful. I, I love it when she starts scripting like Cinderella and she wants to dance with me in the living room. That's wonderful, but she will always need us to be there to help her through things. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with her because she needs that. But she is definitely less functional than I am because I don't need that person. Although sometimes my wife does have to translate Nick language to everybody else so they don't think I'm just being a horrible asshole all the time. I'm only being an asshole seven out of ten. Before we wrap up, I wanted to bring it back to something that you mentioned before before we... uh... You had mentioned that there was a woman who said that she doesn't think anybody should have to mask their behavior. Right. And <clears throat> I think when it comes to me, I look at it in a pra- pragmatic way. As I think I. there are certain things that you might not be able to hide or mask. Right. And there are certain things that it might benefit you to and that maybe you should. Right. Or at least but try. For, for a period of time. Not always. Yeah. Not ma- try to make it go away or ignore it. Right. I'm with you on this, Steve. I'm with I think you. it's it's a pragmatic. It's not a black or white thing. Right. Um, it's all about getting what you need out of something. Like I was saying before, some of the sensory things, maybe some of that you can't really hide or control right. very well, but other things you can make an effort like me not invading people's personal space or me trying not to always be so fixated on details and trying to look at the big picture or me constantly analyzing people's behavior and pointing it out to them and telling them why they suck. And I try not so, to do that anymore. Uh, before we wrap up today, this, um, this, 45 minutes or so has gone by pretty quick. It has. But uh, it's been kind of a serious discussion today. We didn't really laugh and joke around as much as normal, which is fine. But to kind of lighten the mood a little bit, have you eaten any good hot dogs lately? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So anybody who's gone on to our Facebook page, our uh, TikTok page. Did you put it on TikTok? Yeah. Okay. TikTok, YouTube, uh, uh, Facebook Instagrams, Instagram pages. Uh, Steve put up a video from one of our previous episodes, and he's going to put up a video for this one, too. And they're just little shorts. uh, And he uses a quote uh, of it. But it's a video of him talking about how I probably have colon cancer from all the fucking hot dogs I eat. Or you see. An ungodly amount of hot dogs. It was an ungodly amount of meat. All right. Here's the joke for you. Mm. I put my grandmother on speed dial. I call it Instagram. There you go. 
<laughs> so we always like to end our episodes with Steve doing a little bit of a joke. Uh, what I will say is if you heard us say something in this episode that you like, you dislike, you disagree with, you want to argue about any of that kind of stuff, please put a comment on whatever service you're listening to the podcast on. Put a comment, put a question. Let me know if you disagree with me. I'm cool with that. Let's have a conversation about it because I think that's one thing in the autistic world currently that is not really being had. It's not real conversations. It's one group of people trying to dictate how another group of people in the autism world is going to talk about it and how we view it and what we're talking about and how we're talking about it. And I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, if you got a, if you got a message... Something you want us to talk about, if maybe you think you might make a good guest or something, Ooh, you can send us a voice message through Spotify. Uh, you can leave us a comment or you can, um, you know, just send us a message. Let us know something you want to hear about. Or uh, we, we've, we've had a few people that might be on in the future. We've been speaking to um, some other people out there in the ether who are Absolutely. on the spectrum who have interesting stories. So we'd like to hear from you. Absolutely. Um I would like to point out a certain podcast uh, run by an autistic gentleman as well. Uh, I really enjoyed the podcast. He had a great episode with Mick Foley, who was a former professional wrestler. Uh, but uh, the podcast is called Autism Rocks and Rolls. Uh, it's a nice little podcast. I enjoyed listening to a bunch of episodes. It was kind of cool. Check it out if you can. Uh, like, follow, subscribe on all of our services for our podcast itself. We want to keep being able to provide this for you. And as always, thanks for listening. Thank you. So nice of you. <laughs>